Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. Good morning, church. Good morning, TWCC family, and a very happy Mother's Day to all of the women that are out there. I celebrate you this morning. I rejoice with you this morning, and I am thankful for you this morning. Happy Mother's Day from the Way City Church to all of you women at our church, and again, for all of you outside of our church. I want to praise God for everything that you do. I also want to praise God for all of the women that have taken on uh, maternal roles by their relationships with nieces and nephews and other family members. I also want to praise God for all of the women that have taken on maternal roles by your mentoring and by your counseling. I also want to praise God for those women that have taken on maternal roles by your teaching abilities and by working in daycares and serving in our communities. Thank you for, uh, so much for what you do. And last but not least, I want to thank God for everyone that serves at the Way City Church, for all of our women that serve there within the children's ministry. Thank you for training up children in the way that they should go. We thank you and we love you and we celebrate you today. So again, a happy Mother's Day from the Way City Church to you. I also want to pause and take a moment to thank my mother who's in the UK and I want to say happy Mother's Day to her. Actually Mother's Day over there was two months ago. It's back in March that we celebrate Mother's Day over there but still going to throw that out there. Happy Mother's Day to my mother in the UK. Also want to say happy Mother's Day to my stepmom in the UK as well, Karen, and also want to say happy Mother's Day to my mother-in-law, Wayne, over here in the USA. So happy Mother's Day to you. Um, I want to um, give you a definition real quick of, of a mother. A mother is defined as someone or something that gives rise to or exercises protecting care over something else. Maternal affection. Again, a mother is defined as someone or something that gives rise to or exercises protecting care over something else. Maternal affection. Some researchers now believe that the nine months of pregnancy are the most consequential period of our lives, permanently influencing the wiring of the brain and the function of organs like the heart, liver, and pancreas. Think about that for a moment. Some researchers now believe that the nine months of pregnancy are the most consequential period of our lives permanently influencing the wiring of the brain and the function of organs like the heart, liver, and pancreas. Think about that. You're only as healthy as your mother's womb. You're only as healthy as your mother's womb and the idea that the nutritional environment we encounter in the womb affects not only our health at birth and during infancy, but also throughout the rest of our adult lives has come to be known as the developmental origins of health and disease theory. And again, this is the idea that the nutritional environment we encounter in the womb affects not only our health at birth and during infancy, but also throughout the rest of our lives. That is very interesting. There was a British researcher uh, named David J. Barker in the 1980s. And Barker found that rather than smoking, dietary fat, or some other lifestyle cause, the factor that was most predictive of whether an individual would develop premature heart disease before the age of 65 was their weight at birth. Interesting. And I'm going to... Say that again. Barker found that rather than smoking, dietary fat, or some other lifestyle cause, the factor that was most predictive of whether an individual would develop premature heart disease, that's before the age of 65, was their weight at birth. Hmm. The womb is where your foundation is established in order for you to enter into this world. You inherit a lot of who you are from your parents. And I think there's uh, no better example than our father and mother, uh, Adam and Eve. The greatest example of this would be the sin nature that we inherited from Adam and Eve in the garden. 
And I sometimes wonder what would have happened if Adam and Eve had a child before they committed sin. Just a thought. The womb is the wealthy place. The womb is the wealthy place and it's there where we receive full nourishment and it's the safe haven and it's the place of protection. And a baby cannot grow or develop outside of the womb. The womb is where we receive everything that we need to get us started in this world and it all takes place within the womb. We must honor the womb which carried, protected, nourished and birthed us into the plan of God and into our God-given destinies. We must honor the womb which carried and protected, nourished and birthed us into the plan of God and into God's destiny for our lives. I hope that you understand today. I hope and I pray that you understand today that your mother has earned her position of honor in your life. I hope that you understand that she has earned that position of honor in your life. If all she did was give birth to you, she has earned a position of honor in your life. So with that being said today, I want to speak to you about the Proverbs 31 mother. The Proverbs 31 mother. And I want to speak about a mother's advice. The Proverbs 31 mother. I want you to understand that this mother's advice somehow made it into the biblical canon. And therefore this very text is authoritative and it is profitable and it is God breathed. And it is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Somehow this mother's teaching made it into biblical canon. And we have that text with us today. This is the Proverbs 31 mother. And I didn't make a mistake there when I said Proverbs 31 mother. And I know that maybe some of you didn't even know that she existed or you probably still think I'm talking about the Proverbs 31 wife who was also a mother. But that's not who I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the virtuous wife. I'm speaking about the Proverbs 31 mother. We all know of the Proverbs 31 wife. And when you think of Proverbs 31, you think of the Proverbs 31 wife. But did you know that we have to skip over the Proverbs 31 mother in order to get to the Proverbs 31 wife? And that, my friends, is often what we do. We skip over the mother and we sometimes forget that she exists and sometimes we forget her worth and we forget her value. And that's often how mothers also feel. They feel as though they have been forgotten or overlooked or devalued. Some of you didn't even know that this text existed that we're about to read today. The whole of Proverbs 31 is not dedicated to the virtuous wife. In the first nine verses, of the chapter, we hear of a different individual, a different woman, a loving mother. And these words are spoken by her son. And one of the greatest ways to honor your mother is to speak well of her publicly. And that is what this son does in Proverbs chapter 31, verses 1 through 9. Here is a son who has remembered the advice given by his mother. And he speaks and he proclaims of what she taught him publicly. And now we have the book, we have the Bible uh, of what she taught her son. And that is one of the greatest ways for you to honor your mother is to speak well of her publicly. And that's what this king does in Proverbs 31 verses 1 through 9. So go ahead and grab your Bibles and we're going to jump into Proverbs chapter 31 verses 1 through nine. The words of King Lemuel. So again, this is a king who is speaking the words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. What, my son, 
And what, son of my womb? And what, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Let's pray. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we thank you for your word. We thank you that heaven and earth may pass away, but your word will still remain. Father, we thank you today for a mother's advice. We thank you, Lord, for this text, which is God-breathed and is profitable for us, for doctrine and for reproof and for correction in righteousness. We thank you for this word. We thank you for mothers all over the country today. And Father, I pray that you would speak to us through the advice of this mother. May you open our ears. May you incline our ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us in 2020. May we hear what your spirit is saying to us. May we hear, may we hear, may we hear. We thank you, Lord, that we would not leave this place, that we would not leave this setting, that we would not leave this, this fellowship, this teaching, this gathering in the same way that we came. But I pray, Lord, that we would learn something from your word, that we would grasp something from your word. I pray, Lord, that you would give every mother the boldness, Lord, to proclaim and to teach. Give them the, the clarity for them to be able to, to teach, Father, that which they want their sons and daughters to know and to understand. We thank you for Proverbs 31 verses 1 through 9, and we give it into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Some simple lessons from Proverbs chapter 31. A mother is not just one who bore fruit from her womb. This woman, this mother, she's also made vows to her God and is committed to her child through training him and advising him. A mother is not just one who bore fruit, who bore fruit from her womb. She has also made vows to her God and is committed to her child through training him and advising him. Some women are not so good. Notice I didn't say mothers, but some are not so good. But a mother is one who not only bears a son again, but she's one who trains him up and she's one who advises him in the ways of the Lord. A few more definitions for mother. A mother is someone who looks after another kindly and protectively, sometimes excessively so. To look after someone kindly and protectively sometimes excessively so. A mother is a woman exercising control, influence or authority like that of a mother. A mother, someone who has the qualities um, characteristic of a mother as maternal affection. And finally, again, something or someone that gives rise to or exercises protecting care over something else. The Proverbs 31 mother. You will definitely need your Bibles to follow with me. 
or you're probably going to get lost. So make sure that you have your Bibles with you. And again, if you don't, then you're probably going to get lost and it won't be on me. So the Proverbs 31 mother, there could be uh, a slight distinction here between son and son of my womb. When we look at the text here, uh, there could be a slight distinction again between the word son and son of my womb. For us today, son will be symbolic of child, male or female. So it says here, what my son? She, she chose him as a son by choosing to mother him. She chose him as a son by choosing to mother him. And what son of my womb? She also bore him as a son from her womb. And what son of my vows is what it says next. And finally, she was committed to him as a son by her vows, probably to the Lord and probably her vows to him. So her vows to God and her vows to her son. And she says three times, what my son, what son of my womb, what son of my vows. She is demanding the attention of her son because she has something important to say to him. Every mother gives custom fit advice for her child. And again, I'm calling this message today a mother's advice. Every mother gives custom fit advice for her child. And there are many things a mother says to her child throughout the course of her life, but it's the things that she repeats that usually holds the most weight and is what she wants to instill in you. It's those things that she says over and over and over again. Those are the things that she really wants you to grasp. This mother had custom fit advice for her son and there were three main lessons that she wanted her son to understand. Number one is this, do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. Number one, do not give your strength to women. Number two, it is not for kings to drink wine. And number three, open your mouth for the speechless. Number one, do not give your strength to women. Number two, it is not for kings to drink wine. And number three, open your mouth for the speechless. These are the three lessons that this woman wanted to teach her son as a King, a mother never stops investing in her son and caring about his future, even when he is an adult. A mother never stops giving advice. We have no idea how old King Lemuel was when these words were spoken over him and when this advice was given to him. We have no idea of his age, but I assume he heard this advice over and over again. I assume he heard this advice a lot because he most certainly remembered it. Again, these were the words given to him by his mother, but it's actually the king that is telling us about what his mother said to him. But we still have questions. Was he already an adult king when his mother advised him? Was he an adult king when she gave him these lessons or was this word spoken over him as a child? Was he a kid when this was spoken over him and the words that were spoken over him by his mother was, you are a king, son, son, you are a king, you are a king, you are a king, you are a king. Is this the words that were spoken over him from childhood to adulthood? You are a king. And then that was what he became. Did this mother mold him into the king that he became? Did she create the king? by the lessons that she taught him and the things that she spoke over him? Did she teach what a king does and how a king acts because she prophetically knew that he would become a king one day? Kind of like that with uh, Manoah and his wife, kind of like what they did with Samson in Judges 13, they set him apart as a Nazarite to God. She was a barren woman, this is Samson's mother I'm talking about. She was a barren woman and the angel of the Lord came to her and said that she shall bear a child. She was told not to drink or eat anything unclean during the time of her pregnancy. 
And then she was told that no razor should come upon the child's head and the child will be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. God had a purpose for this child from the womb and this child was set apart and consecrated unto God from the womb. A Nazarite was one who was intentionally consecrated unto God and therefore couldn't cut his hair, couldn't drink any intoxicating drink and he couldn't go around corpses or dead bodies. So Samson's mother vowed him to God. She presented him to God and vowed him to God because God opened her womb and, and blessed her with this child. And it seems as though King Lemuel's mother may have done something similar. Uh, we know that because of his name. His name is Lemuel, which means to God. Lemuel means to God. That is one who is devoted to God. He was named Lemuel, which means I devote you to God. You belong to God. And we also know that she may have devoted him to God because the mother says this in verse 2 when she says, This is the son of my vows. This is the son of of my vows. So Proverbs 31 verses 1 through 9, this is a manual for kings or princes. Today that would be leaders in high positions, that would be government officials, that would be anybody desiring such. This is a manual for kings and princes. This is also a warning against such indulgence of appetite as might hinder the execution of justice. This mother gives this custom fit advice to her son. And the first warning that she gives to her son is found in verses one through three. The first warning is this, it's against immoral women and misused sexual Desires. This is the first warning that this mother gives to her son. It's a warning against immoral women and misused sexual desires. The second warning that she gives to her son is found in verses 4 through 7. And it's against the dangers of alcoholic drinks. Again, this is the second warning that she gives to her son. Again, this is custom fit advice that this mother is giving to her son. The second warning is against the dangers of alcoholic drinks. And the third and final is not a warning, but it is a plea. And it's found in verses eight and nine. And this mother pleads with her son and she says, speak up. She says, son, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Again, you will need your Bibles to follow with me or you're probably going to get lost and that won't be on me. The first warning found in verses one through three is against the moral women and misuse sexual desires. Let's look at it real quickly. Verse one which his mother taught him. The, the verb here, taught, has the sense of discipline or set in the right way. His mother disciplined him. His mother set him in the right way. She taught him. She says, what son of my vows? We may take this address to mean that the mother prayed to God, as I previously said, and that Lemuel was the answer to her prayers. She was the answer to, he was the answer to her prayers. And she was the, the result of, of the vows that she made to God. Verse three, the term strength here means the physical strength of a male person. When you look at the word strength in the text right here in verse three, the term strength here means the physical strength of a male person. It is your virility. This is expressed as the, the vigor of your manhood, your energy. The CEV translates the whole line as don't waste your life chasing after women. 
It's not stated directly in Hebrew, but give your strength to women may be intended to convey the meaning that the CEV translation suggests, which is namely getting women to have sex with. So she's saying here, don't give your virility, don't give your manhood, don't give your energy and your strength to women. Don't try to get them to, to, to have sex with you. Don't waste your time and your strength in this manner. Because son, you are a king and you must conduct yourself as such. This is a temptation that many face. And me being your mother, I'm also aware of your weaknesses and that may be one of them. So son, pay close attention to me. I warn you against this. Don't give your strength to women in this way. It was a fact of life in ancient times and still is today in some parts of the world that one way in which leaders or rulers demonstrate their power is by their sexual prowess. That which destroys kings in the text. That may refer to particular women rather than to women in general. In other words, do not consort with women who bring down kings. Do not consort with such. It is suggested that this could be a reference to courtesans or prostitutes as well, or other women who offer their sexual favors to gain influence at the king's court or in state affairs. So she's saying to her son, be, be alert, be alert son, be alert and look out for those women who will try to, to use themselves to gain some kind of access to, to you or to some kind of power. The second warning is found in verses four through seven. Again, follow with me in your Bibles, verses four through seven. The second warning is against the dangers of alcoholic drinks. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine. King Lemuel's mother is saying here that if you drink, your judgment will be impaired. She's concerned about the judgment of her son. And she's saying to her son, she's saying, you son, you stay away from alcohol. She's saying, if you do, I'm afraid that your judgment may be impaired. And I want you to have a, a sober and a sound mind at all times, my son. And don't do anything that could possibly cloud your judgment for you are a king and you need to be thinking clearly at all times. Isaiah 5 and verse 11 says this, Woe to those who, who rise early in the morning, that they may follow intoxicating drink, who continue until night, till wine inflames them. You will forget the laws and the decrees. And this is what this mother is afraid of. You're going to forget the laws. You're going to forget the decrees. You're going to forget who you are. You will forget your duty and you will forget your responsibilities, which is justice. So never be in a position as a king, my son, where you will compromise your duty and your responsibilities, which is ultimately Justice. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 16 says, Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Woe to you when you have a king and when you have a leader in the land that's a child that is childish. And your princes wake up early to feast in the morning for they have no self-control. Woe to you, O land. Verse five, and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. This is the second undesirable outcome of a king's drinking that he would pervert. Hmm. She's warning him against this, that he would pervert. Pervert renders a Hebrew verb meaning to change or alter. But in this context, it clearly has a negative sense of taking away the rights of defenseless people. Pervert the justice of all the afflicted. 
This can be expressed as twisting the law against or denying the rights of and ignoring the rights of. The CEV, again, translation uses more general language with mistreat the poor, the justice of all the afflicted. The justice now of all the afflicted. Do not, my son, pervert the justice of all the afflicted. For those who are poor, for those who are afflicted. Verse 6, him who is perishing is taken by many to mean someone who is about to die. So, literally. Him who is perishing, someone who is about to die, or people who are dying, and wine to those who are bitter of heart. This adds another group to those mentioned in the previous line, bitter of heart, is literally to those who are bitter of soul, whose life is bitter. Some may say that this sounds like someone who doesn't know God, or someone who turns to God or someone who turns to strong drink because they don't know God and they cannot turn to him. So this mother is saying, give strong drink to those folks, to those who are about to die, to those who are in misery, to those who are perishing, let them indulge. But for you, my son, you stay clear. The third and final is found in verse 8 and verse 9. The third and final is not a warning, but it is a plea. And this mother says, speak up. She pleads with her son and she says, son, she says, speak up. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Verse 8, the speechless. The speechless does not refer to people with a physical speech disability, but to those who are unable to defend themselves because of poverty or for some other reason. These are the people who cannot speak for themselves. These are the helpless. They cannot speak for themselves and they are helpless. Those who are helpless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Look at the text there where it says, in the cause of all who are appointed to die. It is literally all the sons of passing away, everyone that is perishing and dying, all of the unwanted, all of the destitute, all of the helpless, all of those who have no hope, those who are dying before their season, those who are dying before their time, they are appointed to die because of the way that the systems in, in the world have been set up. And there are folks who are appointed to die, they die early, they die before their time, they die because of injustice. She's saying here, in the cause of all who are appointed to die, I want you to speak up. Speak up for the unwanted. Speak up for the destitute. Speak up for the helpless. Speak up for those who have no hope. Speak up for those who cannot defend themselves because they're not heard. Speak up for those. And I think that with all of these, I think especially the unborn is warranted here in this case, especially the unborn. The world murders more than 56 million babies every single year without a care in the world. Without a care in the world. They do this because apparently it is your right. That leads us perfectly into verse 9. Judge righteously. Open your mouth and judge righteously judge according to what is right don't use your rights for your own will and for your own desires because you feel like you have them and you can use them but judge righteously speak 
For those who are appointed to die, speak for the speechless. Let your rights be used not only for yourself, but let it be used for your neighbor. Judge righteously. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Open your mouth is the same as in the previous verse, judge righteously. It literally means judge righteousness or give a right judgment. Having in mind the responsibility of a king to give decisions or verdicts in cases before him, in this context it means pronounce an upright verdict. Oh man, how we long, especially in today's day and age, for a king, for a leader, for a judicial system that pronounces an upright verdict. How we pray for a people that will pronounce an upright verdict. How many times have we seen and heard the opposite? But we are pleading for this and she's saying, son, you're a king, you have power, you have authority. And son, listen, you pronounce an upright verdict. Listen to me. You open your mouth. And you speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. Plead the cause, she says. Plead the cause of the poor and needy. Maintain the rights. Give judgments for, defend in a legal sense. Or give justice to, for the poor, for the needy. Martin Luther King Jr. He said this, he said, our lives begin to end. The day we become silent about things that matter. He said our lives begin to end. The day that we become silent about things that matter. What's the purpose of your life? What's the use of your life when you remain silent about things that matter she says speak up my son to be silent when God speaks is to be in sin I'm gonna say that again to be silent I'm speaking to the church right now to be silent when God speaks is to be in sin Martin Luther King jr. also said this he said in the end we will remember not the words of our enemies but the silence of our friends in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And as we're speaking about justice and speaking up, I don't think there's a more uh, timely um, time right now, but to mention Ahmad Arbery, who was a young, innocent, 25-year-old black man whose life was taken from him because of an uncalled, an uncalled for racist act. Here's a young man, and uh, we spoke briefly and prayed about this on Wednesday during our time, but, but my heart uh, has been heavy um, for him. Here's a young man that was jogging in his neighborhood, uh, one street or so away from his house, jogging in his neighborhood, and his life was taken from him. I want you to understand, I want every individual to understand that is injustice. That is injustice. What, what happened to him was unjust. It was uncalled for. So we pray that there will be justice to the, to the utmost. We pray for justice for this young man and for his family. It began by the, by the racial profiling and stereotypes, which led to two citizens taking the law into their own hands and killing a man again who was jogging in his own neighborhood. And we must speak up for all cases of injustice. This has nothing to do with politics. I want you to understand this. This has nothing to do with politics, but everything to do with justice and human rights. This mother in this text knows her son well, and she even knows his weaknesses or what he may be prone to in the future.
The king's mother advises him to avoid making himself weak through affairs with women. An excessive strong drink and she positively urges him to uphold the rights of the poor. That sums up this mother's advice. This king's mother, she advises her son to avoid making himself weak through affairs with women in verse 3. An excessive use of strong drink in verses 4 through 7. And she positively urges him to uphold the rights of the poor. Verses 8 and 9. It's amazing that for a young man back then and for a young man today, two of the biggest issues or temptations are women and substances. She did well to teach her son this truth. And you who have sons will do well to teach them the same within 2020. Teach them some of the same principles that this mother taught her son. As we get ready to close here, I love that this mother taught her son that the true success of a king or leader, the true success of a king or leader in today's sense will be how well he cares for the mute. It will be how well he takes care of those who cannot speak for themselves. His success is dependent upon his love and his character and his compassion. This is what this mother teaches her son about leadership. She teaches him to be upright. She teaches him to have character. She teaches him to be moved with compassion. That's how she teaches him success. I love the advice that this mother taught her son. She taught her son not to be successful in the sense of gaining and storing up material treasure. No, but she taught her son about justice and mercy and truth. She taught him about character and integrity. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? God is not just pro-birth. He is pro-life. God is not just pro-birth, but He is pro life in the fullness of the sense. When many say that they are pro-life, what they really mean is that they are pro-birth. To be pro-life is not just to fight for a baby to arrive, but it is to love justice for the entire life of a human being. It's not just to fight for the arrival of a baby, but it is to love justice and to fight for the rights of that child that grows into teenage and then adulthood and then elderly. We're to fight for the rights of that human being for the entire um, duration of that human being's life on this world, in this world. It's all the way. It's all the way from the womb to the tomb. That is to be pro-life. From the womb to the tomb, we fight for and we speak and we advocate for justice. Justice for the unborn and justice for the adult and justice for the elderly. We love matters of justice. And that is not um, what parents are teaching their children today. I've, I've discovered that parents are teaching their children today to be successful in this world, to be successful in this life. We want our children to get the best jobs, uh, uh, the best careers, uh, the best grades, to go to the best schools. That's how we're raising and teaching our children today. That is what we are doing. But I want to encourage you to fight against the grain and not to teach your children that that is the definition of success because it's not. The definition of success is, is walking with the Lord. It's walking with Him. It's doing what He's called you to do. It's being obedient to His Word. That is success defined. 
You know, I taught youth and young adults for um, over 10 years, for about 10 years. And I found doing a lot of my ministry in Fairfax County, I found that so many of the youth and young adults there, um, success, they, they, they deem success as grades. And the schools, colleges that they went to, that's how they defined success and the career that they would end up with. This was success for them. And I remember going to a mental health awareness meeting back in McLean, Virginia, about five years ago, and it was a two-hour um, it was a two-hour seminar, and the first hour was devoted to uh, testimonies of about 10 individuals. Some of them were still in school, uh, some in high school, some in college, and, and some adults. But they all grew up and went through the Fairfax County school system. And every single one of them, they gave their testimony about dealing with mental health issues from uh, depression all the way to suicide. And they're all giving their stories and they're giving their testimonies. And as I'm hearing these young people give their stories and their testimonies about dealing with mental health, there was a common thread that I saw that ran through all of their stories. And it was this, every single one of them, when they shared their testimony, they said, this began for me in middle school. This began for me in middle school. What's that, around the age of 11, 12? They said, this is when their mental health issues began and they all said the same thing and this wasn't planned they're sharing their individual stories their individual testimonies and they said it began by stress from they said parents at home their parents and they said teachers the stress to be successful the stress to be successful in this life they said that's when their mental health issues began and here I was sitting in the back of the room, listening to these stories, and I said to myself, is this the definition of success? No, it's not. Train up your child in the way that they should go, in the ways of the Lord, and when they are older, they will not depart from it. This is what we are called to do. As I conclude here today, I want to ask you this question. What three lessons did your mother instill in you? And what three lessons have stuck with you? What three lessons did your mother instill in you? And which of those three lessons have, have really stuck with you? And when you have some time later on, I want you to share that with your spouse. I want to give you a, a little bit of homework. What three lessons? What three lessons did your mother instill in you? And share those three lessons with someone. Uh, for me, real quick, it was after putting God first, it was be careful who you trust and do not trust everybody. Again, this is custom fit advice for me. But my mother taught me, be careful who you trust and do not trust everybody. She taught me that nobody is better than you and that you can do anything that anybody else can do just as good as them or even better and number three she taught me be the head and not the tail i must have heard that a million times be the head be the head be the head be the head and not the tail and she also stressed to me um, not to spend too much time uh, renting she was uh, against renting um, and she said you only rent for as long as you need to um, uh, but you but you own these are some of the principles again custom fit personally for me uh, it's not for us to discuss those that's what my mother taught me um, what are the three lessons that she taught you, that your mother taught, taught you? And then I want you today, if you are able, I want you to call your mother and I want you to thank her. I want you to thank her for the three uh, principles or lessons that she taught you and tell her what those are. Say, Mama, I remember that you taught me these three things. Tell her and that will, that will greatly honor her and bless her today. So that's, um, that's my homework for you. Uh, for today uh, to think of those three things and then to share them. I want to take a moment and I want to pray for uh, all of our mothers. Um, I want to pray for uh, the ending of this message and then we're going to take some time praying for our mothers. We love you so much. We value you so much. We value your advice. Um, we thank you for your investment in us and we are grateful for you. Father, I thank you for your word today. Father, I thank you for 
Proverbs chapter 31 verses 1 through 9, I thank you for the advice of, of a mother, a mother's advice. Father, we thank you for a mother who trained up her child in the right way. Father, she taught him what success was about. She taught him, Father, how to lead and how to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. She taught him how to, how to resist and fight and to stay away from certain temptations. Father, I thank you that she was invested in him. And I thank you, Lord, that you are invested in us. I thank you for the womb that bore us. I pray, Lord, that the womb that bore us deserves honor. I thank you for the womb that bore Jesus. When you brought Jesus to this world, when you came to this world, you came through a womb, the womb of Mary. And Father Elizabeth said to her, blessed is your womb. So I thank you that Jesus came through a womb. Every good gift, every mighty man and woman of God came through a womb. Every plan of God upon the earth, every individual that you used upon the earth to do great things, they were birthed through a womb. It began in a womb. So Father, I bless the wombs. I bless the mothers today. I bless the women in general today. And Father, I ultimately thank you for Jesus who came through a womb and came to this world and lived a perfect life. He lived for 33 and a half years without sin. And he died for us, not for his own sins because he had no sins, but he adopted the sins of the world and he died for me and he died for you and he died for all of the women today. He died for me and he died for everyone who is listening. He died for every individual. He died for you all. And I thank you that He promised us that if we would believe in Him, if we would believe that we could not get to God ourselves, if we would believe that we are sinners, which means that we've, risked, that, that we've missed the mark and that we need someone to redeem us and someone to save us, if we would believe that and would call upon Him, that He would deliver us, that He would answer us, that He would save us. So Lord, my prayer today is that somebody would call upon Jesus this day, that somebody would call upon him, that they would see their sin, that they would see their mistakes, and that they would call upon him as our Savior. Lord, we bless you. We thank you for our time again in the Word. We thank you for all of the mothers. We love them. We celebrate them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.